of the Classified Lady, and we're living our best lives because we're real about who we are and what we like. You're on the mic with Dr. Ace, the global mentor coach, and today I've got a very, very, very special guest with me. She's absolutely amazing. I've had the pleasure of getting to know her over the past month or so, and I'm so excited to drive up with her and do life together. Ladies, welcome, Miss Amanda Corbin. I'm going to let her share a bit about who she is and the work she's done shortly. Today's show is all about helping you pay attention to your surroundings and identifying your triggers when it comes to trusting people. This is very important, especially to us as women. We're living in a time that's really dangerous for us. And I'm not saying that it wasn't dangerous before, but social media and other avenues and different things where you get put on blast and, you know, people recording you without you knowing it, revenge porn, all of these different things are real and they can and will ruin your life. We want you to be careful when it comes to that trusting your surroundings, trusting people. People do a lot of different things to you physically, but also emotionally. And we want to set you up for success. So without further ado, welcome Miss Amanda Corbin. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, you and I always have a blast when we get together. <laughs> it's just something about that energy, girl. Something about that energy. <laughs> so tell the people who is Amanda Corbin. Love that question. That's so weighted because it makes me think of when people, they see me after about six months or a year and they're like, what are you doing? I can't keep up with you. Well, not my problem. Like right. Amanda Corbin's just going and doing. So if you can't keep up, then hang out with me more. I don't know. But so Amanda Corbin, like anyways, I got a master's in social work and I'm a licensed clinical therapist. I'm currently vice president of operations with Trafficking in America Task Force which is just an amazing organization. We both educate and empower kind of communities to combat trafficking, but we also work with survivors directly. More on, I wanna say the back end, like after they have come out of their life, after they've been rescued, we help them in the long term continue education because if you're in your 30s with a GED and you might have a job now but if you lose that job in your 30s with a G with no GED I'm sorry no GED I can't get you anywhere else so like someone who's been out of the life for years we got to help them get that GED someone who's been out of the life for years we've got to help them get a job it's beyond living wage because right. otherwise they're stuck in survival mindset so currently I'm working with the task force you know I have a private practice I'm a qualified supervisor for registered interns who want to become licensed therapists themselves in social work and I'm a mom and a wife and a pastor's wife but thank god our church is way small so I don't have a ton of responsibilities in that one I'm an author I'm a dog lover I you know and fun plug Latanya I don't know if you know this but so I have a black belt in taekwondo so yeah, yeah. I was just thinking about taking up kickboxing too I love it. It was awesome. I did it in my teen years. And now my son is a competitive fencer. And wow. so being at those tournaments, you know, in the big convention centers, I'm kind of like, I remember that, you know, and then I'm seeing how much time and money my parents invested in me to do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, listen, girl. <laughs> Gotta get a second job. Right. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. What first interested you in psychology and what drew you to work with people who've been human or and or sex trafficked? Yeah. So honestly, what drew me into psychology before I even realized it was me recognizing my my desire to help. 
people. And the first experience of that, when I was a child, I had a very serious eye injury that caused me to go to like an eye doctor specialist, an ophthalmologist. And this guy, I, I might've been five years old. I don't even remember my age, but I know I was super young. And he had this, this kindness and this spirit that I had never, it's such a gentle, I'm here to help sort of approach. And I was like, I like how he treats me. I want to be an eye doctor. And right. <laughs> so then I thought, you know, if Dr. And it's Dr. Gugino in South Tampa and he, just amazing. He might have retired now, but he had a cookie factory downstairs, his eye clinic. I mean, this dude knew how to care for kids. Right. So for the longest time, I thought I wanted to be an eye doctor. Turns out I just wanted to help people. And he had the right approach, you know? And then I realized I'm a very uh, task oriented person. So when I graduated high school, I immediately kind of started working at the YMCA just to be around kids and you know, serve in that capacity and quickly found social work in college. So I graduated with my bachelor's of social work and I liked it because social work is a very holistic approach. Like it works with the person in the environment. If mm -hmm. your depression is going to be reduced by me helping you find a job, well, then that's part of my relationship with you. Right. You know, it's very systems. And because I got my undergrad in it and then I had a child between my undergrad and grad program, my master's, I went straight into you know, social work again. So when I got my master's of social work, I went into it because conveniently, like the topic of today's interview with my bachelor's of social work, I wrote a curriculum called Queen of Your Own Space and it's empowering women through self-defense. So in my bachelor's and at the YMCA, you know, I was working with high-risk kids without even realizing it. So in my master's, I ended up kind of specializing in people who've experienced sexual trauma and abuse. So then seeing it fusing the two years you know, and continuing to work with sexual trauma survivors, I had someone invite me to open one of the first safe homes for sex trafficked males in 2016. And honestly, because that's kind of right when it started becoming this big popular banner and I'm not a bandwagon kind of person. Right. So my first was probably not because I don't even know the intent of the organization. Right, um, right. But then when I got into really looking at sex trafficking, it's on the same spectrum of the population I've been serving since 2000. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's a perversion of sexual assault, sexual mm -hmm. abuse, domestic violence. And then when I look based on definition, how many of the actual, what I thought was plain sexual abuse cases actually fit exploitation wow. and trafficking. So then I was like, oh, I'm still in my wheelhouse. Yes. So, you know, and that I was serving minors until I left the safe home organization. I was there a couple of years, but big surprise, it started like impeding on my ability to care for my family that right. well. And so it's really only been in the last couple of years that I've only been serving adults because for the first 20 years of my career, it really was, I mean, I love teens and adolescents, mm -hmm. but helping teens and adolescents means after school nights and weekends. Yeah. Yeah. And and then that's me telling my family I'm sorry. Well, right. I'm saying I'm sorry to them. So now I'm serving adults more than kids. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, you got to have that balance because you know you can't can't serve so many other people outside of your home and then you let your home go to pot. You know, as a believer, that's against what the word even says. You're not even you're not even supposed to do that. There's 100%. just you got to take care of home because if we don't take care of home. It's going to eventually affect your ability to be able to care for people outside of your home, and that matters. That matters a lot. You got to have that balance. What are some tips now that you know, y'all know we got a real professional 
Um, I say this every time. Like, I don't bring y'all no junk. You know, I don't bring y'all no junk, ladies. I'm bringing y'all some folks. Now that you all really are confident that Amanda knows what she's talking about, the woman knows what she's doing, what are some tips you can share with us as women to protect ourselves from sex trafficking? What, what should we be mindful of or look for when we're out and about? Uh-huh. So the first thing that comes to mind takes me all the way back to my black belt, and it really is situational awareness. Mm-hmm. People ask me, they're like, oh man, I bet you can beat my butt now. And I'm like, no, what I know is if you're, you know, honestly, male to female gender stature, if you're a dude and you're my exact same height and size, I know you got twice the strength on me. Mm-hmm. So knowing my surroundings and not being in a situation that puts me at risk. I was on a walk last night with a vest on, yay, to protect me from cars. Did I have any protective device on me? No. So was that a little bit stupid? Yes. Did I stay away from places where bushes were right by sidewalks? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so the, the situational awareness includes, I mean, following our intuition. Yes. If it doesn't feel right, you know, when I, and we don't, nobody's going into malls much anymore because COVID, but when I would go into the mall and be walking out in a parking lot by myself, I honestly was on the phone with my husband or if somebody ain't married with someone who you've just told where you're at and while you're talking to them on your way to the car you got your eyes out and about because one of the reductions is if you can make eye contact with people they know now you've seen them correct so you walk with your head up on your way out to the car Mm -hmm. it's good to survey and check yourself behind you and stuff you know i keep my key between my middle finger and pointer just as an attack mode those are the little things the the greatest risk is being in in an environment i guess it's good for people to know though that abductions are less likely than grooming and wooing and the long term you know, coercion process. So mostly that situational awareness, keys, letting people know where you're at. Buddy system is a huge reduction technique. And then that is why just the basic, the queen of your own space that, you know, I would teach how to get out of a bear grab. So like you were saying, you know, joining kickboxing, but learning basic self-defense techniques because, you know, somebody as strong as they can be, like pressure points are still pressure points. Right. And so, I mean, I know a dude, 300 pounds and his pinky, you know, but some right. other people, like it may not be the pinky, but the eyes are always the same thing. The groin is always the same thing. Correct. Untrain the nerves in the groin. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You know, and so the thing with self-defense is you practice it until it's second nature. That's the problem is reaction time. Attackers, the thing they have on the victim is the element of surprise. So Mm -hmm. if upon surprise, your reaction time, I'm not proud of it, but in high school, I had a young lady, super insecure, pick a fight with me. But funny story, like instead of swinging at her with my arms, because I was a competitive martial artist at the time, it was she's on me to attack me. I pushed her away and roundhoused her with my leg only because that was instinct. I didn't know. And so do what you do to develop that instinct. And so if your intuition is keeping you aware, if somebody gets past your awareness and surprises you, then your instinct, you know, hits them wherever it takes to get out and get away. Don't freaking go back. That's my other thing is get out and get away. Right, right. At the buddy system, we use, I used that in college. That was the that was the first thing in our dorm meeting, our very first dorm meeting. The first thing they taught us was don't ever go anywhere by yourself, especially if you're when you leave the grounds of the campus specifically, do not go by yourself. 
you find somebody to go with you. If you're on campus, you're going to class, obviously, you know, but they, you know, talking about at night, you know, preferably don't try to be, you know, be on campus at night by yourself walking around. But if you leave the campus and go out into the community, don't go by yourself, especially at night. But even during the daytime, because you don't know, you could be just going to, okay, I'm just gonna go to the spot over here and get me some lunch. Okay, but you don't know. And I went to went to school in Tuskegee in Alabama and in, in this country. It's lots of wooded areas that like the campus is huge and around it there's community, but there's still a lot of dark places. It was really dark back in the day. The first thing was they taught us situational awareness. They taught us to always, always, always buddy up and to make sure that somebody knows where you are at all times. We don't care who it is. I don't care if it's your dorm mother, your hall monitor, a friend of a friend, somebody should always, always, always know where you are. And to this day, I still do that. I, like before COVID, my girlfriends and I would go, I'd be like, text me to know, let me know you got home. Yep. And that's the sis, like we, I need to know you got home because accidents and stuff happen all the time. I need to know that you're home. And, and so my, my cousin takes it a step further. I need to know you inside the house, not just you pulled up and you in the park. I need to know you are in the house. And so I got a habit of too. Now I'm, you know, even with my mom or anybody, I'm in the house, you know, they know if I'm going up, you know, out of town or I'm doing anything. It's not about, oh, you're an adult, do what you want to do. Why are you telling people who you think got to hold you accountable? It's not about that. It's safety. Exactly. So if anything happens to you, you go missing on vacation, you don't come back, whatever. Somebody knows the last known spot. That's how investigators are able to figure out what's going on with a lot of missing people, you know, and, and things that happen to you. So it's very wise. And I'm glad that you're, sh you're sharing that because... Yeah. It's not about, oh, I'm independent, I'm grown. Yes, you are, but guess what? You're not immune from the dangers of this world because at the end of the day, it's people out here that do really wicked things and we just want to keep you safe so you can continue on and live and not have your body violated and you end up dead somewhere. Yeah, and your pride is not smarter than a criminal's manipulation. Yes. You know, so yeah, check yourself. I don't care if you've grown, like it ain't people being busybodies. It's them knowing where you're at. You right. know, and another thing I forgot is honestly, I have 300 pounds of canine. I and so right. as much as I can, I walk with my 100 pound greater Swiss mountain dog. I know that's right. Come on, like who's- It's one who that I wish you might. <laughs> I love it. Do it, do it. She loves me more than you. Okay. <laughs> you gonna learn today. <laughs> I love it, I love it. To your point about coercion though, I had a student who married, she was going through domestic violence and she had left, yeah, she had left. He was coming up to her job, they had, she had to get a restraining order. Her company got a restraining order and said, you cannot come on this property, you know, whatever the case may be, your, your issue is your issue, but you cannot bring it here, different stuff. So it was just really bad. And he coerced her, he used a family member and it was a child and he knew how much she loved that job, you know, and he coerced her to meet with him. And for three days, nobody could hear from her. He killed her, buried her body in a construction site. And so it was so sad because she and she was abused in life and abused in death. It was really a sad situation. And so to your point about coercion and manipulation, this is why we're having this conversation about your triggers and knowing who to trust. Because like you said, your pride and ego, when it comes to somebody being able to manipulate and control you because they have what they want, they have an agenda for you. Sex trafficking, human trafficking is a big business. 
it's real and you're messing with somebody's enterprise we're trying to help you because we want to shut it down and stop it like this is this is real and we want to stop it so being mindful of your surroundings and it's okay to text somebody and say girl i'm going to the store real quick i'm going to target on this street right here so and so and so okay girl i made it back because you just never know especially in high traffic areas like shopping malls anywhere it's happening if a woman is trafficked what should she know about her circumstances can i postpone because i want to i want to add to what you just said and yeah. one of the biggest protective factors and it's kind of like a duh, why didn't I lead with this? Honestly, the biggest protective factor you can have to, to reduce your likelihood of being a victim is self-confidence. Mm-hmm. If yeah. you know who you are, then you don't have those vulnerabilities, mm-hmm. you know, because going back to what you just shared about the young lady, you know, abused in life and abused in death, the abuse she experienced in life increased her vulnerabilities. Yes. So, you know, not having appropriate love being abused, being neglected, probably having mental illness in the home, witnessing domestic violence, and then repeating that cycle. Those are what we call adverse childhood experiences, Mm -hmm. you know, and the more adverse childhood experiences you experience, the more targets you have on your back. Wow. You know, to be a a susceptible victim, not saying, you know, oh, it's only these because I hate absolute anybody, you know, it can be in anything, right? Anybody can drop dead of a heart attack. But we know eating McDonald's will increase your risk Absolutely. of a heart attack. And we also know increasing ACEs will increase your risk. Wow. And so getting to know yourself, developing your sense of identity. Because pimps, you can interview pimps and traffickers all day long and time and time again what they will say. Self-confidence. They're looking for yeah. somebody with low self-esteem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If, I, if I'm if i walking in, the, in a mall and I, I compliment a girl and she was like, you really think so? Then I know I can get her. Mm-hmm. You know, it's insane. And and going, so speaking on to the, if a woman sex trafficked, what should she know about her circumstances? Quite often going to the coercion, it happens so subtly. Sometimes they feel like, you know, it's part of their choice. I've worked with a lot of women who wind up in a strip club because their boyfriend loves them. And he's saying, I just need you to do this so we can pay the bills. Right. Then, so now he's got her stripping so that she's making money to bring it to him to quote, pay the bills. And then the next thing she knows, he's asking her to go recruit somebody else. Then he's keeping the money. She's not in control of her money. So some of like the signs for a woman to look for is probably right is Mm -hmm. usually if you're, if it's severe, chances are we're not having somebody listen to this podcast, right? Like, you know, it's always the most severe cases, it's do you know what city you're in? You know, are right. you in control of your money? Are you allowed to come and go as you, you please? Mm. Um, a lot, again, it's so similar to the cycle of domestic violence. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at, because it's that power and coercion, that power and control circle and it's really really the same tactics and then traffickers create this if you feel you owe someone that you're in a relationship with that's probably that's maybe the people that might be listening Mm. right because a trafficker will create this debtor debt relationship wow 
So, you know, because I got you out of your daddy's house. You, you owe know. me. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it so then like emotionally, I feel indebted to you. So I'll do whatever. So I'm choosing to have sex and make this money and bring it back to you because mm -hmm. I owe you for quote getting me out of my daddy's house. Like you saved me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So mm -hmm. that brain manipulation, and, and there's a quote from a pimp and his name don't matter because they don't matter. You know, but he says, who needs shackles and chains when you can control the mind? That's true. You know, the minute you get the mind, I don't need nothing because you're going to willfully stay. Yeah. yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. mm, so, that's I don't crazy. know if that answered your question, but that's okay. Yeah, that's, but that's knowing how it works is half the battle. When yeah. you know how it works, you can spot it and really start doing the work. See, this is why self-work is so important and mm -hmm. being confident. It's called self-confidence. You can't wear somebody else's confidence. And a lot of times we're on social media comparing ourselves to somebody that we see on Instagram or you know this platform and that platform, but you are you. You're not that person. You're not gonna look like them. So hold your head up, stick your chest out and be proud because it's going to be all right. You as you are more than enough. And and understanding that when you wear confidence, that's just the, the best thing ever because I get a compliment. Thank you. I don't care who it is. Thank you. I appreciate it. You know, and sometimes I go out of my way to compliment, especially if I see a woman with her head kind of not up as high as it, as it should be. If it, I'm like, you know, I find something to compliment her on or to, to make her feel good in that moment so that she's not carrying herself down and dejected. But hold your head up just a little bit. Even if it's just a fraction of a hair, it's a little bit more than what, what it was a few minutes ago. And then as you keep going, you know, it, it tends to get better. But plant that seed of confidence because like you said, it, it definitely is a deterrent and not be afraid of eye contact. I had to learn that myself because I didn't grow up learning to have eye contact with people. So something that I had to learn myself because I was uncomfortable looking people in their eyes or in the face, but at, at, because then it would be people, my experience has been, why are you looking at me? You know, very, very aggressive, but at the same time, realizing that not realizing that it was also a deterrent so you getting mad at me you're you're obviously projecting something that you're not feeling good about in yourself off to me you don't want anybody looking at you so that's that's something that i also had to learn as yeah. well so thanks for sharing that um women sometimes are naturally untrusting of people based on our experiences and sometimes those experiences of with other women have had that we identify with how can we identify when we're triggered by these experiences yeah so <clears throat> i love that question because i feel like that's on that cusp of fear versus intuition right mm -hmm. i hear so many people rationalize their irrational thinking, their hyper vigilance, their high anxiety mm -hmm. as intuition, you know? And mm -hmm. unless they're willing to receive it, like I don't cast my pearls before swine. I'm a huge believer. I don't give unsolicited advice mm -hmm. if you want my advice, right? Mm -hmm. I don't call out. You know, pastors have that freedom to make a call to check in with somebody. If you're not willing to make the call, you ain't ready to hear it, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that I, I hear so many people that are just in this hyper aware and we we live in a fear-based culture mm -hmm. um, I personally haven't watched the news probably in 10 to 15 years because it exacerbates you know fear especially in a sphere that's yes. outside my circle of control right. so why do I need any of that information 
that my day in day out life is still going to be the same right mm -hmm. and so for women going back to what you're saying that learning about ourselves intuition doesn't increase heart palpitations right you know, intuition is this confidence of that's not a safe situation i'm not going to go there right fear is oh my god i don't know i can't leave the house all right well then now you need to sit and ask yourself why yeah and so the the lack of trusting i think that's and when you talk about trafficking that's a really, really big thing because too many people have a lot of myths and irrational beliefs about mm -hmm. trafficking. You know, I can't travel to Europe because I'll get kidnapped. Didn't you see the movie Taken? Well, Liam Neeson has gotten online public and recanted and apologized. He goes, we now know that's not what majority of cases look like. And yet everybody has made that their poster mm -hmm. trafficking experience in their mind. Right. You know, and the reality is it happens through coercion and people we know, love and trust. And right. so when you're untrusting, look within and figure out why. Yeah. Um, you know, education, I do, I truly believe knowledge is power, but good knowledge, the right knowledge. Right. Check your sources, really. You know, even in all the work I've done with myself, and I'm sure with, you know, what mm -hmm. you've done with yourself, I've still got my wise counsel mm -hmm. that I will call and bounce things off and kind of a tell me if I'm crazy. Right. About this. Absolutely. You know, and if you're surrounded by hyper, you know, fearful and, you know, misinformed individuals, you're exacerbating your fear, not your intuition. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that a little bit really, it's, I call it the O'Reilly factor because the minority situations, the high profile, high publicity situations right. are the ones that get the most attention. Mm -hmm. But trafficking happens like a bell curve. Wow. The only stories we hear about are the minority, the small end of it, because those are the easiest to identify. Mm -hmm. You know, 25 kids that have been missing for years have been found here, which those are legit cases, but they're not the majority. The majority is happening in plain sight. The majority are, you know, kids in their home with friends or relatives, runaway kids who might be, they engage in what we call survival sex, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and so if it's people they know, love, and trust. It's, I, you know, if I don't have sex with so-and-so, I don't have a place to sleep or they're going to hurt my mom. That coercion is way more common than a tattoo, two cell phones in a city they don't know. <laughs> but that feels way better because that's also outside. That's not my backyard. So yeah, it allows me to feel fearful and feel like it won't happen to me. Right. But it also reduces that guilt factor of feeling uh -huh. like, as, 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 like I, I contributed. I had something to do with it. You know, I'm, I'm the reason this happened. I want to go back to something you said about wise counsel, having people you can bounce things off of. Here's the thing with that. You got to do something with that information. Don't waste counsel if you're still going to do what you want to do anyway, because you're not helping yourself any. What's yep. the point in getting advice if you're not going to do anything with it? If, you, if your mind is already made up when you go for that advice, don't waste that other person's advice mm -hmm. because you know you're not going to take that advice. Nope, because eventually what's going to happen is you're going to lose your counsel because they're going to stop giving you advice because it's not a compliment to tell somebody you were right. That's not a compliment. 
Because if you're repeatedly saying that, you're what you're saying to that person is, when you come to get their advice, I know you're gonna give me something good that I should use, but I'm gonna make the conscious decision to not use it. So why should that person then in turn, because if I'm that person, why should I then waste my counsel on you knowing full well that you're not going to use it and you're not setting yourself up for the success and the help that you say that you want and need in this moment because you want what you want. So now when you want what you want, you get what you get. And what we're trying to give you here is information on how to stop cycles and how to protect yourself. Because like Amanda said, it's that stuff that's close to you. It's that coercion. It's stuff that's really, it's not the, those cases where somebody's snatch and grab in the parking lot. Yes, that's happening. But this is a professional who's telling you the majority of the cases are from coercion. It's from people, they, people you know, and it mirrors, you know, it mimics domestic violence. And I never would have put that together. This is why, you know, I'm bringing people to have this conversation because it's, it's important. Share with us, for those who may not know what a trigger is, tell us what, how, what a trigger is so we can understand it so that when people are triggered, they know that, oh my God, I'm, I'm, this is what she means when she said triggered, I'm triggered, you know, cause everybody's woke and all of this, uh -huh. oh, you're woke, but you're asleep. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're not woke, you're asleep. Okay. You're asleep. So and tell us what, a, what, help us to understand what a trigger is. Yeah. I feel like in the last couple years, trigger has taken on a much broader umbrella. So clinically speaking, you and I both know trigger used to only be associated with someone with PTSD or yep. severe mental health disorder. Correct. And, you know, being triggered would be a woman who survived sexual assault and yet, you know, is walking in a mall and walks past her assailant or, mm -hmm. you know, watches a show that maybe mirrors the assault that she experienced and she experiences basically a flashback or a physiological body response to right. something that is in a current environment and you know right male and females can be victims and a perfect example and it's really unfortunate veterans right somebody coming back from war who's seen you know and been and even both active duty if they if they were combat vets or if they were only training but even in your training there's there's bombs and there's gunfire and stuff that's part of training right you know fourth of july is one of the most i was gonna say it's the worst it's the yes, worst it's the worst trigger yeah. you know because what it does is it brings them right back because there's enough of a situational re-experiencing yeah. that their brain suddenly like surges all of that personal past experience. That is really what clinically the trigger is. Good. You know, modern day, we say, you know, it's a trigger if my anxiety's increased, you know, or for a woman who is triggered, I, I do want to speak, I think specifically because there's a lot of people who've experienced past trauma, assault, abuse, neglect, any of those adverse childhood experiences. So there is such thing that even if you haven't reported it, you know, that you might be living with a trauma that does trigger you in that same way of a veteran on the 4th of July. Right. So right. when you experience that, some of the phenomenal, I would say grounding techniques, you know, one of the quickest things is you close your eyes and you start taking deep breaths and you mm -hmm. count down from 10. Right. Um, that's one. A second is it's, you know, grounding with the senses. You literally think of your five senses. So keep your eyes open mm -hmm. in the room you're in. 
look at five things that you can see. Name out loud five things you can see, right? And it goes in order. I think it's four things you can feel, three right. things you can smell, things you can touch, two things you can touch, and one thing you can taste, right? Mm -hmm. um, and you can move those senses in whatever order. But the thing is now you've identified 15, I think, however many yeah. that is, you know, tactile things in your current environment. And that's grounding because when you're really triggered and your, your brain begins to re-experience past, you're no longer in the present. Mm. So those grounding and coping techniques bring you into the present. Another, honestly, is putting a big cold wash rag on your face, yes. put your hands in ice water because it's a shock to the nerve system. Right. And then the body can't be in the past and in the present at the same time. So the body's like, dang, that's cold on my hands. Right. You, you're, re you're redirecting your focus to, <laughs> yeah. to something and you give yourself time to come away, step away from that, from that moment and, and really deal with it. You're right. You're right about that. I, I, before he moved back to Virginia, we were just out hanging out in Miami and we were eating, eating at, we were at Bayside, eating out outside and fireworks just went out on the other side on one of the uh, celebrity islands. And I didn't know what happened. He just froze. He just sat there and froze. And our other neighbor, who's a nurse, and I was just like, are you okay? He was just like, and I said, okay, let's take a minute. And he was like, I don't think y'all can appreciate that the same way I can. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, so tell me yep. what's going on. He said, I just, I just, I said, okay, don't worry about it. Cause I knew he was a vet. I knew he was a veteran. And so I said, okay, do we need to leave? That was the first that I was just like, do we need to leave? Do we need to get you out of this environment and into another environment where you can breathe, where you feel safe, yeah. that you can breathe freely and enjoy yourself? Do we need to leave? And he was like, no, just give me a minute. And he just sat there and he did the breathing and he brought himself. And, and so when the, when the waitress came back to the table and I was just like, can we get him another glass of ice water? Cause I, what we did, we took that one and we poured it on the napkin and he, you know, put it on himself. And she said, and she was very quick about it. And I appreciated that. And I said, well, sip this water slow. Cause I didn't want him to go in the shop, you know, cause it's hot, it's hot Miami, baby. It's hot, it's summertime. So, you know, he was able to come down and then he enjoyed himself for the rest of the time. You know, fireworks were going off, but he had already worked through it. And we were able to go up and have a, a really great day. It was Sunday fun day. We were able to go up, but understanding that trigger in that moment and sharing that the techniques you're sharing, they work, they really do work. So don't feel like when you're triggered that you don't have a way to pull yourself out of that moment to where you are now in a space where you're safe and you can move on with what's going on. And so that leads me into my next question of how can we create safe spaces, whether virtually face-to-face -face for women to work through their triggers? Yeah, no, that it's an excellent question because both virtually and face to face, something for women to recognize is, and it ties in with what we were just sharing. And now there's a difference between am safe versus feel safe. Mm -hmm. And in your story with your veteran friend, he in that moment, because of that trigger, did not feel safe. That's right. But he knew he didn't have to leave because he had enough conscious awareness that he was physically safe in that moment. Mm -hmm. 
And so that am safe versus feel safe for us to balance, I think the cool thing in creating safe spaces for everybody being kind of homebound, you know, with COVID these days, even virtually like, you know, so moms with young kids can kind of stay a little hyper aware and a little queued up at home. So you may not emotionally quote, feel safe, right? but physically, God willing, are safe. And so, yeah, finding your little cubby in your closet yeah, and, you know, knowing even though I don't feel safe because I feel like, you know, I need to be doing this, I am safe. Right. Or you can reinforce am safe within your thinking. It really helps balance that. The you know, face to face where, you know, where does, where does life feel good for you? That's good. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, who doesn't love the beach? And man, did I wish I got to see the sunset last night on Easter, which I did not because (laughs) I don't do sunrise anyways, but I'm like, oh, it would be like, because I just, for me, Easter is a special day and like to be at one of my special places. Yes. You know, and so that, you know, for women who do want to address and discuss and work through triggers, you want to do it in an environment where maybe if you don't quite feel safe because you're still hypervigilant, that you can at least date the fact to yourself that I am safe and identifying that feelings are not facts. And that's why there's a difference, right? Between am versus feel safe. Right. I am a major proponent of affirmations. They're everywhere. They're all over over my walls, Amanda can tell you, this is an affirmation that I want you all to repeat when you are triggered or you don't feel safe or what have you. I am safe. Huge. Just say it until you feel it and believe it. Because like she said, there's a difference between am safe and feeling safe. When you know that you're safe, but you're triggered in that moment, I am say say it. It's just like when you're afraid. I am not afraid. You better say it until you're why? Because you need to get that feeling of fear off of yourself. In this moment, when you don't feel safe, but you know you're safe, to get past that feeling of not feeling being safe, I am safe. I just say it. I mean, just repeat it. Affirmations are powerful and they work. They really do because again, you're shifting your mind about your situation about what you see. A lot of time, what you see isn't what you see, but your emotions affect what you see. If No, your emotions affect how you see what you see. And a lot of times it can really skew your vision, your perspective on what's going on around you. When you're triggered, your emotions are all over the place. Now you don't feel safe, even though you are in a safe environment. You're safe, you're in a moment, but you're watching a movie. And like she said, you're taken back to a time, but you're in the safety of your home. It's you, you know, tell yourself, I am safe. Just close your eyes and breathe and say, I am safe. Sometimes it's just, it's, it's, that's more than enough. Sometimes just knowing, you know, what to say to yourself in those moments. What are some resources that you can share for women who've been sex trafficked or who may have trust issues? Mm-hmm. I am a huge proponent of crisis center or trauma counseling centers in each of the counties. I, I've seen them effectively work with survivors of all forms of trauma and trafficking included. They're trained in modalities that, you know, make no sense right now, but there it's EMDR and it's art. And, you know, there's techniques with the right trauma therapist mm-hmm. that you don't even have to retell your story and you can take thing away. 
That's good. That's it's so good. Oh, so amazing. And so, you know, uh, like in Tampa, we've got the crisis center of Tampa Bay. Usually 211 in most counties help is is a resource. Right. Rain R A I N N online. They actually have a, a virtual, you know, an online chat and resource. You know, the trauma centers rain Polaris for if you think you are or have been both labor or sex trafficked, Polaris Project online has a ton of resources. They're welcome to reach out to me directly, you know, and you can, we'll put my, um, I guess, email or yeah. phone, you know, and, but trafficking in America task force.org. You can contact us and I just, you know, I'm kind of a mediator. I'll get you in touch. You know, I've worked with survivors in Alabama, in California, in New York, Pennsylvania, like states don't stop where I'm able to help Seattle. I mean, like it, so because we just the people who want to help in this field domestic violence shelters are another great resource that's good Um, you know a lot of shelters have become aware enough that trafficked survivors are also victims of domestic violence wow yeah yeah that's so good what is a parting message that you would like to leave for the audience today i want to i think go back to that notion of intuition and i want to encourage everybody to trust your intuition and remember that intuition should lead toward peace and if it's leading toward anxiety then that's not you know that's not intuition that's not informed that's fear and but thankfully if you recognize that there's anxiety behind what you're thinking you know then you'll know there's a little bit of work to do there and intuition allows also that situational awareness and so I really think and intuition allows you to know to turn off that news or delete the Instagram follow your gut (laughs) you better say that again girl (laughs) listen it's okay to go on social media breaks I do it. Yes. Even as a business owner, there are tools that you can post that allow you to post and you can post without even looking and scrolling. You can just post and move on. I did that for almost a year. Post and move on. I came back. I was like, oh, I didn't miss anything. Post and move on because self-care, preserving your peace matters. And it also increases. You will find that when you step away from social media and some of the toxicity that's in the news, your confidence increases, which now reduces your the life likelihood of you being a target because now you're not desirable to you're not you're gonna mess up their money you're not desire you're not a desirable person and you know you they know that you can't be coerced so amanda shared some amazing stuff this was just amazing and i just really really again having these conversations are what help us as women be safe but really creating those safe spaces within yourself you can do that simply by saying if you know that you're in the safety of your home and you know again know that you're in the safety of your home but you don't feel safe or whatever because you're triggered by something a, a movie or a song on the radio anything even a conversation on the phone or a text something you can stop breathe and in that moment say I am safe using those techniques of going through the five senses and those 15 touch points lots of great information shared today and I really want to thank Amanda for uh, joining us she's going to be back for another episode 
with me. Uh, she's gonna, the next episode that she's gonna uh, appear on is gonna be on inner healing, finding your way to wholeness. And that's something that we all need to do. But especially as women, we tend to put everybody else first, but you can't draw from an empty well. You just can't, baby. There's, if ain't nothing in there and you running on fumes, that's not gonna work. So we wanna make sure you find your way to wholeness and you're gonna um, enjoy that one as much as you did this one. So ladies, you've been on the mic with Dr. Ace, the global mentor coach. Thanks so much for listening. If you have some topics you'd like to hear, if you need a coach to help you achieve your goals, you can send an email to info at global mentor coach. That's info at global Again, thanks so much for listening. Thank you, Amanda, again, for joining me today in this amazing, amazing interview. Ladies, keep it sexy, classy, and modest as you spread lots of love and light. Until next time, bye.